Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bry Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, this is a two-parter. The first part of the show is really about uh, our summer vacation and what happened to us when we got back. And this part here, part two, is all about how we as people, when society gets to be too much, when people get to be too much, when we hit our breaking point of all the sameness and mundanity of life, how do we find our heart? How do we find our kindness? How do we find our center when the world is becoming so toxic and tragic and dramatic and crazy? Rebecca and I have kind hearts. We are always trying to elevate ourselves and to be, you know, vibrating at a higher level. But, it, you know, sometimes life is life and life gets mean and life gets cruel and people become sort of mean and cruel over time. And so what do you do? To find your center, find your heart, know your value, and know your worth when the world is psychically attacking you. At the end of the day, we all want to be good people. We all want to be kind and decent and nice to everybody. But unfortunately, that's just not the world we live in. There has been so many situations from jobs to online friends to you name it, military life, everything I've been through in my life, I have always tried to put my best foot forward but sometimes it steps into a bear trap you know and you end up with people in your life that sort of become toxic sort of become uh unfriendly unkind and so when these people turn on you what can you do about it how can you process those feelings and move on in a healthy way without it detracting from your quality of life So thank you guys so very much for your support and your friendship. Uh, Some of the friendships we've made on Instagram especially have been really good and really healthy for us, and we appreciate that. Not all online uh, friends can be good. Not all uh, interactions can be good. And so we really have learned to appreciate just what great people you are. Thank you for being a friend, and let's begin. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. And today, as usual, I've got my co-host with the most. It's Rebecca Russell. Please say hello to the folks. Hello. (laughs) So, you guys, this is a part two. This is part two of our two-part series about uh, being uh, gaslighted and being... uh, How do we find our happiness and how do we beat our depression and our grief and our anxieties in a world that's so punitive that's so there's so many people out there just just got the wrong ideas about life the wrong ideas about treating each other certain ways uh you know i think people be crazy now and we get caught in their web we get caught in their web of craziness we get caught in their web of extremist behavior And at the end of the day, um, after a while, yes, being gaslit is one of those situations where, uh, you know, people, uh, you start questioning your own reality. You start questioning your own sanity. Absolutely. You know, and so that's what this episode's about. It's about, you know, because when I, you know, went on break, I was burnt to the core, man. I was burnt to a crisp. I was extra crispy. And um, not for any negative reasons, because even when you're doing positive things, uh, you can still burn out creatively, yeah. uh, spiritually, emotionally. 
Um, and I do believe that's what I have against jobs so much these days is that they don't take anyone's emotional health into consideration anymore. And that's why, uh, you know, as a chef, I jumped around a lot. I stayed where life was interesting. I stayed where the pay was good. And I got out of toxic, hyper-dramatic situations where people were full of shit. And, um, and I jumped around as a chef because of that. And, um, and, and that's what I did to avoid toxic people because you go into situations you don't know who you're going to meet or what kind of people they're going to be. And you try to be friendly with people. And a lot of times, especially when you're new somewhere at a job, you just have this tendency to sort of be subservient and quiet and reserved. And then uh, as you start to do that, you you you, you kind of slowly but surely uh, give people an opportunity to think they're superior to you. And so then you start nutting up. And then when and then when you finally stop taking their bullshit, they're like, "Oh my God, you've changed." No, I'm just revealing who I really am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, uh, Rebecca and I we went on vacation. So to catch you up on part one, if you haven't heard part one yet, please do go back to part one. We set up, you know, what we did for our vacation. We went to uh, Bend, Oregon, did a little camping. Uh, went to a, a Allison Chains concert that had a whole bunch of bands like uh, Bush and Breaking Benjamin and Thunder Pussy, <laughs> who were pretty good, by the way. Yeah, they were. <clears throat> but um, but then we got back, and then uh, we noticed that uh, one of your uh, former friends uh, had uh, started a smear compa- uh, campaign about us uh, that was completely not in reality. Completely, uh, yes, did I say some mean things? Sure. Because you're a bunch of fucking crazy bitches. I'm sorry, but I talk to people the way they deserve to be treated. If you're unhinged, you're going to get my unhinged treatment. Sorry, I am not going to apologize for that. You know, and if that makes me a misogynist, well, crying out loud. I mean, I would have given it to a man the same way. I don't, you shouldn't tolerate that kind of treatment from anybody. No, not at all. You know, when you know yourself and when you're older like we are... No fucking way. I'm not resorting to your fucking high school pedantic bullshit. Are you kidding me? That's the whole thing with equality. Like, women want equality, but still want to be coddled. A lot of them. Right. And it doesn't work that way. No, you know, like, I already try to treat women with respect and dignity and courtesy. I have more female friends than male friends, quite frankly. And I've never made it about sexuality. I've never harassed anyone. I've never did anything weird or flirtatious or creepy. Jesus Christ, no. Uh, You are my best friend, and I'm a happily married man. And she's coming out like I was trying to hit on her and all this stuff. I'm like, girl, don't flatter yourself. Are you kidding me? Ugh. Yeah. Anyways, and it's not just because she's physically not my type, but she's her soul is dog shit. Yeah. I, ugh. Everything about her repulses me. Why on earth would I be cheating? Now, when I was with Jenny, this was, you know, I was still in my 20s, but my ex before us, because we've been together since our early 30s, but in my 20s, you know, she said I flirted a lot. I'm like, no, I don't flirt. I, I happen to be nice to women. And she thought that was flirtation. Yeah. So if you're attractive, it's flirtation. If you're ugly, it's it's harassment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it yeah. seems what it boils down to anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I was always nice to ladies. 
I was always nice to women <clears throat> because I was raised by women. And I love women, and I respect women. I love their maturity. I love their nurturing souls. Uh, but, uh, you know, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And a lot of these women online think it's okay nowadays to be the woke mob, the cancel culture, to just go after anyone anything they think is oppressing them. Now, hey, I'll be the first to tell you, if someone's trying to oppress you or, or treat you bad, to give it back. You know, fight back. Don't. Fight fire with fire, but don't be un, unkind if you can help it. If you have to be, then, hey, that sometimes that's how you have to end things with unreasonable people. But at the end of the day, I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, I was just minding my own business. And uh, I saw uh, our friend there, and uh, she's the friend who's always sad and down because her husband or her boyfriend committed suicide over a decade ago. And I'm not telling, hey. We all heal at different rates, so I'm not trying to tell people how to heal. I, you know, I still try to be courteous to her. I still try to pick up, uh, you know, pick her up and lift her spirits. But I was giving her a dad joke, and she took it entirely wrong and uh, went off on me. And so I was like, Jesus Christ! You know what? This is starting to piss me off. I told her that this is starting to piss me off because I'm only I've only ever been nice to you, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and I do feel like she was preloaded with hate. Because of how she was tainted by her other friend, who we had to block a year ago before the podcast started, a little over a year. Uh, we had to block her because, uh, like I said, I, I'm a writer. Sometimes when I go through a depressive or spiritual funk, uh, I'll write about it, and uh, it kind of it's cathartic. It helps me release it to the universe. And then she just went on there and went off on me. For no fucking reason at all. It's like, if you don't like me, then why are you my Facebook friend? Like, I don't understand why these women would have stayed around if I'm such a terrible person. They stayed around for four years, and then all of a sudden, I'm a piece of shit? I know. Come on. Yeah. Get no, a clue. Grow up. Grow up. Like, women, you know I love you guys. I love all people. But they. But here's the criteria. You have to have intelligence. You have to have compassion. And you have to be reasonable. If you don't have those things, I don't want to fucking know you. And just because I'm trying to put out helpful, thoughtful content for people doesn't mean that I'm a wallflower, that I'm just going to sit and put up with abuse because, oh gosh, I wouldn't want you guys to solely, I wouldn't want to solely my Mr. Rogers persona. Hey, fuck you. Sometimes the bull has to pull out the horns, you know, when people are uh, attacking them for no reason, you know? Yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate that I had to do it because even when we're in the right, it energetically sets us up for that feeling of letdown afterward. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It does. Well, you know, I've just, I, I'm too old for that stuff. I'm 48 years old. I'm going on 50 years old. I have a lifetime of experience in the Army as a professional chef. I mean, I'm a gritty, tough motherfucker. And I'm supposed to sit here and cry over losing a handful of girls that would never. Grant me the time of day? Yeah. No. I mean, come on. No. Get real. And and while I wish I had uh, perhaps said it a little differently, I, I don't think there was anything I could have done to avoid it because they don't even realize whether they're conscious of it or not, but they're treating you passive-aggressively. Mm-hmm. And so here I am going, what did I do? Who did, I, did I steal your birthday away? I don't understand why I'm getting treated this way. And then it all starts making sense when you realize that the girl that you blocked a year and a half ago 
is sullying your reputation behind your back. And these women share everything with each other in snapshots. It's fucking creepy. It is. It's the online version of uh, pitchforks and torches. Yeah, it's the mean girl shit. Yeah. And it's rude, and it's mean, and it's unconscionable. But the worst part of it is that it's immature. Some of these women are in their 40s talking shit like and this. And 50s. And 50s. Good yeah. grief. I know. I mean, I mean, you know, I know we all look younger than we used to look, but we're not acting like it. We're not acting like reasonable people. And so at the end of the day, I mean, yes, I could have said things a little bit nicer. I could have treated them a little bit better. But I, I was feeling hurt because they were dragging... I mean, and, and this is before all this other stuff happened, but even before they were just being completely passive aggressive on me. And then when they did, when I did find out that they're trying to have a targeted smear campaign about you, like, hey, I know I'm a shit talker. Hey, you want to fucking come at me? Fine. But you do not fucking hurt my wife. No fucking way. And then for them to come after me professionally, that'd be like if I called her fucking boss. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would if I had to, if she kept at it. If yeah. she does not stop, I will call the police, and I will call her boss. I know where she works. She's dumb enough to put it online, so... Yeah, I know exactly where she works. Yeah. And I know I know where she lives. Not her address, but I know what town she's from. Yeah. And I would never do anything unless I think that she is going to be a problem. Yeah. No, it's... You know, yeah. but if I, if I got to get the authorities involved just to protect my innocence, that's what I'll do. But um, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's what I'm trying to say, you guys, is that at the end of the day, Rebecca and I are trying to be good people, people of conscience, thoughtful, intelligent, sensible, sensitive people. That's what it's all about. And we're trying to teach that not only through our words, but through our actions. So in that regard, should I have held myself up to a higher standard perhaps when I was dealing with them? I guess maybe I could have said things a little bit differently, but I don't, I don't know. I guess you have a threshold. You get to a point where you're just so tired of it and offended by it. You're like, oh, fuck you guys. Like you just, you decide, fuck it. And you just throw caution to the wind. You say what needs to be said. And now they're trying to snapshot it, trying to say, oh, I'm a misogynist or I'm a piece of shit because I don't like you. Well, yeah, I don't like hateful people. I don't like spiteful bitches. I don't like online instigators. I don't like cyber bullies. I don't like thwarted, targeted attacks on my wife and my professional career. And I don't like women when they're fucking immature. The end. Now, I love a silly heart. You know the difference, though. I love silly people, silly, funny, happy, go lucky people. Um, you know, uh, but but if I notice a woman is 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 doing something inappropriate, I'm not going to give you a pass just because you're a female. No, and you shouldn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but that doesn't mean that I'm I have hateful views towards women. I have hateful views towards hateful people. yeah you know see the difference there yeah and i just you know but um but now that we've talked about the ins and outs of what happened and and you know we went on vacation we're feeling burnt out uh creatively i was really going into a depression of sorts and these things always seem to come up when i'm having a depression it's almost like some people seem to like i don't know 
energetically know when you're down and know when to attack you. Yeah, I think so. And, um, and so I wanted to get to the point now where we've set it all up, we've set out what happened, but now, you know, because I know I'm not the only one. I've had several people come out and say, this happened to me. You know, when I was uh, a, a kid, my mom worked with two ladies who were her best friends. My mom's been a banker her whole life. And uh, she had a couple of her best friends, uh, you know, basically start an attack where they pulled their friendship from her. Uh, They stopped hanging out with my mom. And she did nothing. She did nothing. They were just trying to manipulate her. And that's when my mom met Steve. And then they went off into the sunset and became best friends. But these women would say anything anything to hurt my mother and i remember i was just a kid at the time but i was like what happened to what happened to ellen and robin you know like what happened to those two you know she's like oh we're not friends anymore i'm like how come you know because i'm not seeing the day to days and she's like oh they're not very nice people and you know my mom tried to be you know leave me out of it Mm -hmm. but um but it was very hurtful for my mom for a very long time because these were her best friends it happened to me in high school. When, or uh, yeah, high school. Uh, my best friends just one day decided that we weren't friends anymore, and they turned their back on me. And uh, I ended up making friends with Craig and Corey and all these others. <clears throat> and uh, I was friends with them ever since. To this day, I'm still best friends with those same people after a falling out with some yeah. other friends. But what is the common denominator? Do you think of these people like who hurt my mom? Who hurt me? People who have hurt you in the past, and now people who are trying to hurt you in this group. What do you believe is the single quality that uh, they share that makes them, you know, do these kinds of things? I don't know what is wrong with them. What kind of glitch they've got? But they mm. seem to notice, like you said, when people are down, or people that they think are vulnerable, or people that they think they can pick on, and. They just jump on it, and I don't know why. why. But why do you suppose, you know, everything's going fine, and then one day they realize that you're not like them? Is it, is, why do they choose instead of just to let go to ostracize and hurt people and bully and pick on and torment that person instead of just saying, oh, they're not, she's not like us, let's just leave her alone? Yeah. I think it gives some people some kind of like power trip. Like they have, hmm. they have control over. They feel like they have control over your destiny and what's going to happen to you, and it just gives them some. And yeah. they've got people that'll listen to them and follow what they're doing and follow yeah. their lead and do what they want them to do. Well, it and seems like they weird. All, yeah, power trip it seems like I, I agree. I think there's a power trip involved. I I believe that they they <clears throat> get high on the fumes of their own bullshit. They get high on their own supply. In other words, uh, they seem to. Um, seem to rise up while the best way they know how to rise up is by pushing others down. And I've Mm -hmm. talked about that with online influencers and on social media where some people will just target a certain kind of person or they'll target people so that they get more famous or that they uh, try to rise themselves up uh, by pushing others down. Yeah. And it seems to be very common and I can't quite understand it because I'm not that way. No, me neither. I don't know what someone would get from being like this, honestly. Yeah, well, that's because we're not that way. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, it's mystifying to me. Um, but I wanted to talk now about all of this because, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't, you can, you, you know that what they say, you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that um, at the end of the day, you can't change human behavior. There's going to be people in your life that are going to turn on a dime. It's happened to me several times. It's happened yeah. to you several times. Some people just turn on a dime. And it makes you wonder whether they have changed or whether or not they're just revealing what's always been there. Probably that one. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah, right. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes I think people, though, they get a heightened sense of their own worth. And then they think, they, they tell themselves that they're fucking you over by, by uh, uh, somehow justifying that you're the toxic one. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, what yeah. gaslighting is, making you out to be the bad guy, making you out to be the terrible person so that they can justify their own shitty behavior. And then, But then the thing is, it's like, well, if you were doing it just to protect yourself from toxic old me, why would you continue to perpetuate it? Like, mm-hmm. my friend Roger is a perfect example. When I had a falling out with him... He had met this gal from Mexico, and uh, she was a, you know, Catholic, like a lot of uh, Mexicans are, and uh, he worked as a truck driver. He met her down in Mexico, got to know her really well, and uh, he was just really at that age looking for a mate, looking for a spouse. And I, I was happy for him, you know, and, and the, the, unfortunately, he met me with a group of other friends of mine who were sort of immature. They like to play games. Not head games, but more like... Silly, immature antics of a 20, 25-year-old guy, right? And uh, one day, he just decided, you know, he'd already gotten rid of my friend, my other friends. Uh, We won't say who. But he kind of kicked them to the curb, and then I was the only holdout. And I told, you know, I told him, I'm not like them. I'm I'm sorry that they're like that, you know. Uh, I've always been more mature than that. that. I've always been more sensible than that. And he's the kind of guy where... He always has to, every couple months, make big, bold, symbolic gestures to change his life. He'll cancel the cable and tell nobody. And like his roommate's like, why did you cancel the fucking cable? Well, I'm trying to clean up my life. I'm watching too much TV. You know, he's just one of those OCD guys that always wants to maintain control over his life. And he's always taking these drastic measures to do it. Uh, and so he did that with me, finally. One day I call him. They, the day before, we were good friends. Yeah. And we'd known each other for years, and then one day I called him, and it went to voicemail. I was like, huh. Didn't think anything of it the first day. By day three, I'm starting to wonder. Hmm. He was, he made up his mind that we can't be friends anymore. Never never did anything to him. Just that he's going to excise all the immature people from his life, and I get that. It made sense when it was the other guys. The guys from, I call it the Lobos house. The guys, we all were friends. Uh, but but I couldn't understand why he would do that to me. I had just graduated from culinary school. I was working full-time as a chef. I didn't have time for antics, you know? Yeah. And I never was that kind of person that horsed around. I don't do practical jokes on people. I mean, my friends, I mean, I, w- I worked as a delivery driver uh, while I was in college, and they would come to my work, they got a copy made of my car key, and then they would uh, move my car in different parking spots, 
and then go hide out in the bushes and, and laugh their little heads off when I couldn't find my car. Mm-hmm. And this is at work trying to deliver pizzas. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was funny, you know, but um, but sometimes they didn't know always where the line was. Well, they've grown up since, you know, but uh, then they became Trump supporters, and so maybe they didn't grow up. But um, <laughs> but the point I'm making, though, is, is that sometimes people always see themselves as the good guy, even when they're doing bad things. And that's the thing. I, I really tried to be honest about myself and honest about the situation. Did I do anything wrong? Did I deserve it? Do I deserve the wrath from all these ladies from this makeup group? And I have to answer with honesty, not really. I only gave it back when they gave me shit. I never instigated. It was never. I don't have hate in my heart for them. It was only until I found out that they hated me that I was like, well, fuck, ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of shocks you. It shocks you to what lengths and what they're willing to say. Yeah, it definitely does. You know? Yeah. And so, um, and so we thought about this long and hard, and I decided, you know, that was a perfect example of me going through a spiritual malaise. I call it, it is depression, but there's so many different kinds of depression. Sometimes you get just depressed. For no reason. <clears throat> this felt more like life fatigue, spiritual malaise. And uh, it's when you keep running into the same problems in life over and over again because you keep running into the same types of either hateful people or um, dysfunctional systems like jobs. And so I was just running into all the same problems over and over again. And so you get this life fatigue of, oh, my God, can I please go home to my maker this is bullshit. You want to grow up. You want to feel like you finally turn a corner on these petty, fucked up people, toxic people problems, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I wanted to use that and cite that as an example of for the past few months, I've, you know, despite the fact that I love what I'm doing, I love putting on a good show for people. I love giving people positive advice. I love giving people uh, hope and, 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 passion and uh, advice for a robust living and how to be a tougher person in this world. Um, But for whatever reason, I feel like I'm still running into the same old problems of nothing ever changes, you know, know. nothing ever seems to change, whether it be the system and the jobs or the hateful fucking people out there. And I know there's good people out there and that's what keeps me going. But that being said, uh, the, the, the tirade, the, the, the giant just swath of people out there that are just not good for us, it's growing. It's good. It's huge. And that and, and, and so when you start as an empath to see the the onslaught of people out there who, who just don't share the right mentalities, oh, man, it's just, it fatigues your soul, you know? It does. But again, <clears throat> 8 billion people in the world. Right. And... When, yeah. Once I realize that there's 8 billion people in the world or 7 billion, 800 million, 900, you know, whatever number it is, it's almost 8 billion now. Yeah. It's yeah. gone up a billion since the last time I read about it. And, uh, whew, yes. exponential growth. But, mm-hmm. um, but as there's more people, there's more problems. And it just feels like people in their 40s and 50s should fucking know better than to sink to these high school mentalities. Yeah, you'd think so. You know, and I'm not trying to shit on them. I've, you know, I'm making sure that nobody knows who it is. I am saving their anonymity. I don't want anybody to go after them. 
I don't want anything from them. I want them to leave us the fuck alone. I want them to move on, get a life, and go go live a better life. Yeah. That's what I want Absolutely. for them. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I can't fucking believe that in the year 2022, as smart as we are, as, as, as cultured as we are, everything we have at our fingertips, all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the great fun activities. I mean, I get why people get depressed. That's why I'm here to help. But I can't understand why people would resort to pedantic, childish fucking games like that online. You know, and that's the thing that all my real friends in real life are th- saying. Like, I can't believe, believe people still pull that shit at that age. Right. I know. It's fucking unbelievable. Well, the thing is, they wouldn't do it. If, well, maybe they would do it in real life. because I don't think they would do it to me in real life because real I'm a man. Life. She's <laughs> done it to other people in real yeah. life that I know of. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's. And yeah, it's the anonymity and it's being behind a keyboard and being how many states away from someone. Yeah. It feels safer, I think. So yeah. it's well, it's I find more it, emboldening to people like that. I don't understand what they get out of it because I don't know. You know, I'm not talking all about this in order to I'm not trying to keep things going. I, mm-hmm. I'm talking about it for catharsis and what can be learned and what can be derived from this. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean I would rather lose a thousand friends. A thousand audience members then gain toxicity in my life. Yeah. Because if people like that are willing to believe a bunch of online, crazy, unhinged people over you, then I don't want to know those kind of people. Right. You know? I know. Um, And I do know there's a lot of good people in the world, a lot of good women that don't act like that, a lot of good men who are pro-woman, you know? It's just that there's a lot who, I think we're living in a culture now where there's so much toxic masculinity, there's so much polarization with um, politics, that I think everyone assumes that just because you're masculine that you must be toxic. It's like, no, man. What, I'm not allowed to lift weights anymore? I'm not allowed to um, watch Predator anymore? I'm not allowed to enjoy myself as a man anymore for fear of somehow stepping on a woman's toes? I mean, come on. Live and let live, you guys. Yeah, 100%. And just because I like man stuff or stuff from the 80s does not mean that I subscribe to a toxic masculine uh, mentality. No way. Good grief. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Treat people with respect. Treat people with dignity. You know, as an EMT soldier, I learned the forefront of all human relations is energy is intention. That's what I learned as a actually as a as a uh, energy healer, <clears throat> but I also learned as a uh, phlebotomist EMT soldier. I kind of push them, kind of smash them up. I learned, you know, essentially a strength beyond strength. To quote Pantera, you learn a tenacity and a dignity, um, and as an EMT, you learn to preserve uh, dignity. The preservation of dignity is paramount as an EMT. As a soldier, you're defending the honor and rights of sovereign people, poor people, war-torn people. Um, And so you learn to not judge people who are poor or people who are different from you or people who are ethnically different from you. You learn to, you know, to, to appreciate our differences as, and that that's stuff I learned as a soldier. As an EMT, I learned the preservation of dignity. So, old lady accidentally 
accidentally uh, comes her robe comes undone, you preserve her dignity. Cover her up. If there's people rubbernecking, you get them out of there. You know, <clears throat> so it's always the preservation of dignity. And so that just always stuck with me as a person. And while I am a little bit of a smart ass, I'm a comedian. I'm a smart ass. I'm a red blooded American. So where do we draw the line, do you think, babe, of uh, having a sense of humor, having sort of a, you know, give it back kind of uh, irreverence to you, Mm -hmm. but then also having reverence and respect for people in general? Yeah, you just have to, when it gets to a point where it's being cruel and you're out to hurt someone. Yes then that's where you're crossing the line. Right. And I don't have anything against these women. I would never do anything to try to hurt them. I just don't like the games they play. And the fact that they're in their 40s and 50s, they should fucking know better. This is absolutely unbelievable for their age. I, you know, And I, I really sit around thinking, wondering what she's going to pull next because I know she's not going to drop it. I just know it. I don't know. She might. I hope she so. might have forgotten about it already. I have no idea. I, I hope don't. so. I really do. But, but that brings me, babe, to the part of now that we're broken, now that we're hurting, now that the world is showing us its ugly true colors, how do we live a life of quality, of dignity, of, uh, uh, of fighting for our values um, despite the fact that you've got a handful of critics, cynics, and haters out there that now hate you, uh, I, can't, I can't change their mind. I, I would hope that I could reason with people, but some people, okay, you can't reach them anymore. And here we are, we're moving on. And, I, and this doesn't just apply to us. This applies to all people who feel war-torn in life, who feel hurt, who feel like they're just not getting enough hope. And uh, they're, they're not seeing enough change in our politics. They're not seeing enough change at the workplace. And they're not seeing enough uh, action uh, to feel hopeful about our future. Uh, that's why I wanted to go into these articles. Because I do believe we all have within us uh, that melancholy heart. It's like, ugh, you just grow tired of people. Yeah, ugh, you just grow tired of bullshit. You just grow allergic to bullshit. And... Um, and uh, I hope that, you know, we can move on. They move on. We move on. I'm not going to do anything to, to, to about them unless they continue to give shit to us. So I'm hoping that they, uh, you know, we learn to live and let live. I, I, I don't give them a whole lot of hope, but I am hopeful that with time, uh, time will heal all wounds and we can just go on and live and let live. Um, I don't like them. They don't like me. Um, but see, at least I'm not liking them for real reasons. They're not liking me because I was mean to them. Well, I was mean to you because you're a bunch of mean bitches. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, come on. Um, I would say that about a man. I would say that about anyone. So, But I wanted to pivot here. I want to get into real world stuff that we can do to, to sort of fix our war-torn hearts you know um so i wanted to i wanted you to go into a couple articles babe uh if you would please uh, tell me uh what the articles are about and uh let's let's get it started well the first one i have is uh are you being gaslighted <clears throat> i think that one that's, that's pretty very, self-explanatory uh, very self-explanatory <laughs> yes um yeah so this particular one is by robin stern phd so i just want to give credit where credit yeah. is due and, and uh, go ahead and uh, 
Cite the periodical for me, please. It's uh, from Psychology Today. There we go. So, um, <clears throat> let me see. So, first off, how to know if you're being gaslighted. Yeah. So, because I... You, Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, well, and people hear the term all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't really know exactly what it was for right. quite, a, quite a while. Right. So, you kind of know the gist of it. But we, Well, and I think in, our, in this society, in this culture, especially with a lot of cyberbullying, a lot of online presence, um, especially in politics, there's a lot of people out there who want to sort of uh, paint a picture of reality that isn't quite accurate, and maybe that's their reality, but that's not your reality, and so uh, I want to really hammer down what gaslighting is. Yeah, and this is, it applies to everything. It applies to politicians, it applies to friends, Mm -hmm. it applies to relationships, it applies to everything. So um, you are constantly second-guessing yourself. Right. Which is pretty much the the goal of a lot of people that are treating you this way. They well, want yeah. you to second-guess yourself and well, feel like and, you're going and, crazy. And I'll just kind of use our example as an example is that, yeah, I was like, did I say anything that bad? Did, ooh, mm-hmm. did, did, I, right. did I flirt with her? Did I, did I do these yeah. things? And exactly. you're like, no, I didn't do that stuff. Good grief. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, it did have me it, questioning absolutely. reality. Yeah. Yes. Um, second, when you ask yourself, am I too sensitive a dozen times a day? Oh, yeah. Same thing. Absolutely. You, you question yourself, like, yes, indeed. should I be bothered by this? Probably well, not. Maybe not. Well, and, and anytime somebody uh, bullies us or harasses us, um, there's a, that always that inner um, wimp, that, that inner kid in us versus that inner tough person in us. Mm-hmm. And it has that little internal struggle. Right. Yeah. Should I let this get to me? And yeah. I did it too. I was like, as a tough person, as a soldier, I'm like, honky, please. Like, yeah. Like at first, I didn't let it get to me. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized I'm obsessing on it because it's so contrary to who we really are. Yeah, exactly. And it's creating this like situation now that you have to contend with. Mm-hmm. Shit, now I have a responsibility now you know, to, deal with this crap. to deal with it, right? Yeah. So go ahead. So the next one mm-hmm. says, you often feel confused and even even crazy. And it says at work, but yeah, well, that's about okay. the whole situation. Yeah. You're kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why? Yeah. What's going on? What's happening? So Why is it, it happening? So in, in what way do you think they mean that? Like, you in crazy in what way? Like, are you crazy for... <clears throat> Well, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Are you crazy for feeling offended? Are you, Are you crazy for feeling bad about it? That makes like, sense. Yeah. yeah. Or or maybe you feel crazy because um, they're trying to tell you the sky is red. Yeah. And you know the sky is blue. And then they're mocking you because your version of events didn't go down the way they see it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened to us is these crazy people. I already blocked them. And then somehow they got through my defenses and then they're putting things on yeah. the post that I wrote to explain to my viewers what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if any of you guys want to know really what's going on with this, um, I'm an open book, you guys. It's on my Facebook page, Surviving Empathy Podcast, or just search Chef Bry Comedy, Chef B-R-Y. Um, but it's all there, not because uh, we wanted to, uh, you know... Uh, perpetuate this but we wanted to nip it in the bud and i wanted to be very transparent about this because i want our audience to understand our character and that this is a character assassination on us and uh that we don't deserve it and uh and so at the end of the day um they were coming on to that post 
and trying to say, well, no, because that's not how it went down. You know, yeah, Mm -hmm. according to you, crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like, of course, you're not going to see it that way because it paints you in a negative light. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. go ahead. So next is, um, and some of these, you know, kind of relate more to like an interpersonal, like an actual relationship yeah. with a person. Sure. But this is good because that happens with a lot of people. Sure. So, um, you're always apologizing to your mother, father, boyfriend, boss. Mm-hmm. And that's more like, you know, you have a partner who's constantly telling you, oh, you don't do this right. You don't do this right. right. You don't do this right. right. And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And well, I found an article about um, uh, gaslighting in family units yeah. And I didn't oh, yeah. think it was quite relevant to this here, mm-hmm. and that's why I kind of just chucked it aside. But it's something that a lot of people But it's very deal common to happen relevant. amongst people that we know very well. Yeah, right. Our bosses, our co workers, and our family and friends. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can't understand why, with so many apparently good things in your life, you aren't happier. Yeah. And especially in a relationship, you have someone telling you off over and over and mm-hmm. over that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You should be happy because you've got this and this and this. And Well, and I think when you're with a toxic person or a toxic, if you're with a narcissist or a sociopath or any number mm-hmm. of dark triad trait people, yeah. is that you're going to be around people who um, are always going to make you feel less than, always make you uh, feel like you're not good enough, and you're always searching for um, <clears throat> to satisfy them. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, like, with me, like, you know me, I'm, like, I'm a perfectionist. And I try very hard to make you guys understand that I'm not trying to make you live up to perfect standards, just that there's a technique to everything. And uh, sometimes I start to feel like I'm, uh, you know, holding you to too high of standards when all I'm really trying to do is teach you how to do something well. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like yeah. um, I'm always very careful not to come off like like a, a gaslighter because, yeah, it's it's horrible yeah, to live is. with that Absolutely. shit. Absolutely. Which leads into mm-hmm. you frequently make excuses for your partner's behavior to friends and family. Right. Well, so. and that's the thing here is like some women were coming to you. Oh, that's too bad. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, you should tell him to blah, 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 blah. Like I would do all that if that, if I was guilty of anything. But yeah. ex- um, I don't make it a habit to disparage people. Mm-hmm. I only do it when they do it to me and especially when they're trying to attack my uh, you know my career yeah, yeah. and my per and and to attack you in such it, i don't know it's just never mind <laughs> it's just, i don't want to keep going yeah um and like i said again these a lot of these are like in relation to very personal relationships but i do want to talk about it because sure. it's very important because i know so many people deal with things like this um yes. you find yourself withholding information from friends and family so you don't have to explain or make excuses right which, yeah. Right. Um, you know something is terribly wrong, but you can never quite express what it is, even to yourself. Yeah, okay. Um, you start lying to avoid the put-downs and reality twists. Right. Which kind right. of twisting yourself into a pretzel, trying well, to... Well, and you're sitting here talking about gaslighting. To me, the guy who others claim I'm terrible mm-hmm. to women. Yeah. If you were in some abusive, oppressive relationship, I think you would know it and you wouldn't want to be doing this episode with me. Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Please tell them. You're not forcing me to do this. <laughs> well, it's just that no, I, I, I need know. people to understand that, that I love my relationship with you. You're my best friend. Yeah. And I care about you. And I would, I get angry sometimes, but I try very, very, so hard. yeah, we yeah. all get upset. You know, but but good grief! If if we were in some uh, 
shotgun relationship, I, I, I don't think we would be talking about uh, touchy subjects right now, would we no, not? Definitely not. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Okay, we got a few more in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have trouble making simple decisions. Mm-hmm. It makes you second guess everything. Every that you little do thing. Or say or well, and that's because you're trying to preserve the relationship, and you're just afraid yeah. that if you say anything, you're going to get yeah. them antagonized again. Exactly. Which proves that you're in a, a kind of a bully relationship. Yeah. Um, you have the sense that you used to be a very different person, more confident, more fun-loving, more relaxed. Right. Um, start right. changing yourself. You feel yeah. hopeless and joyless. You feel as though you can't do anything right. And, yeah, when somebody's putting you down constantly or looking over your shoulder. You feel uptight and upset and always feel under pressure. That's how I feel with some bosses. Finally, I I got old enough where I was like, I had a boss looking over me once. I go, you think you could do that hovering somewhere else? Yeah, exactly. And this is a lot. "Well, Well, I'm your boss. And I'm like, I don't care. Get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Yeah. This applies to workplaces. When you you learn that with age, when you're younger, you're nervous. When you're younger, you have less experience. But when you grow old enough to be the boss and you have all this experience, you start telling bosses how you feel. And I, you always try to be nice at first, but eventually when push comes to shove, it's like, yo, uh, could you maybe exercise a little fuck off over there? Yep. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yep. And Mm, then the last two, you wonder if you're good enough. And you right. find yourself withholding information from friends and family so you don't have to explain or make excuses. Yeah, so that, this all, is there it's, one more? No, that's it. Okay, it's yeah. Just, yeah. This all feels like they are, are all kind of saying the same thing in different ways. It's a whole lot of making you feel like you're mm. crazy. Yeah, and that's what gaslighting and is. It's, your reality it's, isn't your reality. Your reality, reality isn't your reality at all. Yeah. It's, it's the reality that I paint for you. Yeah. Exactly, and, and uh, it applies to so many different. Well, situations. right, it, it applies to anybody in abusive relationship with a man or or a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it applies to any boss who's overly controlling, family members, any family is, member. Yeah. Maybe you grew up with an abusive father. Um, was your your you your dad? I mean, he's he's a good guy now, but he was stressed out in those days. And uh, t- tell yeah. the folks, w- did he gaslight you? Probably. Yeah, and nothing specific comes to mind, but but, but probably yeah, just yeah, yeah. It, well, and I'm I don't so, want to go into a lot no, of stuff, no, but. of course not. But I just I say that because I want people to understand that it happens to all of mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and um, I've I've felt gaslit before by friends, uh, mostly friends who turn on you mm-hmm. uh, when it's the beginning of the end. They start to gaslight you, mm-hmm. and they they're like, oh well, you're not, you know, like like I lost some friends because. Uh, I was getting better at soccer. All these friends of mine were from soccer. And then uh, they started talking about me. And I think is honestly because I was the poor kid mm-hmm. and they were the middle class kids. Yeah. And so they would talk shit and then that would make their way to the coach. And then guess what? For the first year in seven years, I didn't make the team. Mm-hmm. And I ended up on a different team. Yeah. And I became their star for- forward. And then I... I Finished that season off. It was terrible. We lost every game almost. But I was the star, mm-hmm. you know, uh, forward in that uh, because I had the most experience. I, I scored many, many goals. Um, but we got scored on all the time. We had a terrible defense. <laughs> and uh, it was with Barney. He was actually from Scotland. I was like, you would think with a Scottish <laughs> soccer coach, I, we would have done better. But no, no. Yep. But um, yeah, gaslighting is any situation where somebody tries to say, I reject your reality and I substitute my own. And it's 
it's dangerous because it's so insidious because it can start out so small, just little comments. And, and so I just want anybody listening, if this sounds familiar, like try to take stock of what's going on and try to figure out who you are and what's really happening to you. Well, and what would you say to people who might be, uh, you know, maybe they're married to or have a boyfriend or girlfriend who's a, uh, who's a, a narcissist? Uh, no, we've talked about narcissistic abuse. What would you say to people who are in a narcissistic abusive uh, pattern or relationship that they can't get out of? And they love the person, but they can't seem to get that person to change. What do we do? What can, what advice can we give to people who are being gaslit? Yeah, well, in a situation like that, if you're with someone who's not going to change, it, I think the best thing would be to get out. And I've never had to deal with something like that. Right. And I know it can be incredibly hard. Yeah. So I really don't have any personal advice because I've never had never to deal, had to with, deal with it. Yeah, I, I would say that, yeah, I, I think anytime your life's in danger or your reputation's in danger or you can see that the pattern's never going to break... Uh, chances are it's probably just too screwed to fix. And those situations, it's just when a situation goes kaput, dead in the dirt, mm-hmm. and you just, you, you accept it, and you and you have to assess, because it's scary, because it really is, your whole world feels like it's turning upside down, because you're in this relationship where you spend the majority of your time with this person. And now you have mm-hmm. to perhaps move out of your home, you might have to break up with them you might have to uh, but the thing is that's the one thing they shouldn't do is don't feel like you have to explain yourself to the abuser yeah you know that's the Mm -hmm. thing you know because like like that's the thing like i feel like i'm being abused by these women of this group but i'm a tough cookie and it's online stuff and i know children would have a problem with it but i'm just like fuck it Fuck you. <laughs> like, it, yeah. the reason why it doesn't bother me is because uh, I'm a grown man and because I've learned coping mechanisms and I have a stronger sense of reality than most. Um, but for people who, you know, are learning and growing, I think, yeah, a lot of people, like I said, there was this gal on uh, our Facebook page that um, she's like, thank you. Like, I'm obsessing about it. I can't stop thinking about it mm-hmm. because this girl out of nowhere is telling all these horrible lies about me and she's ending our friendship and I don't know what I did wrong and blah, blah, blah. And that's the thing is like people seem to accept our differences until they don't. And then when they don't, they just, they hold it against They go crazy. They just go nuts. It's like, Mm -hmm. like they can't just be amicable. Like if you don't like someone, just stop hanging out with them. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to make a big scene about it. You know, it's like, it's like all these people that hate on bands they don't like. Like, if you don't, something's not your fucking cup of tea, then just don't listen. You don't have to rail yeah, against them. I, I feel mm-hmm. like our society has grown so uh, hateful and scornful and immature to the point where they think that they have to, like, advertise to the world their disgust of some person or some band they don't like or some movie they don't like. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. When did I ask for your fucking opinion? And second of all, move on. Move on. Right. <laughs> just move on. Exactly. Yeah. So. Good job, babe. Yeah. Um, Gaslighting is a very terrible situation. It happens in politics a lot. Uh, you know, you've got right now, you know, people are trying to claim that Biden is as bad as Trump. Like, were you all fucking stoned during the last four years? 
Yeah. How could the, this this functionality be any worse? And, uh, you know, we're starting to see, like, finally, the Democrats are passing bills, infrastructure's taking hold, job numbers are getting better. I'm not trying to say that everything's perfect. Far from it. It's very toxic. But at least Democrats are trying to do good things for regular working people. And you would think, from the right, the way they talk about it, the way they gaslight it, that if you like Biden, you're a sellout. If you like Biden, you're stupid. No, I just prefer functionality and common sense and rationalism over scorched earth lunacy that we had with Trump. Yeah. And my guy was Bernie. I'm a Bernie guy. But I would much rather have a Biden centrist than some lunatic fringe right wing crazy who doesn't respect the law, who doesn't respect other people, who doesn't respect the free press. Yeah. And and, and, and and it seems like that whole party is just kind of going with whatever errant thought Trump has. They just all go along with it. Like, oh, my God, maybe y'all need to grow your own personality. It seems like Trump injected, like, all this oomph and personality and pizzazz into the movement. But then he's the only one capable of being sort of brash and irreverent. And so he's the only one gaining traction in the movement. And then you've got got the disciples like Ron DeSantis and whatnot. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to is the whole movement is a cult of personality because none of them have any fucking huevos. And then they try to say that, you know, the left is toxic simply because they're passing bills. Excuse me, we got to move on. We can't keep living in the past. We got to pass bills and we got to get job infrastructure going, you know. So from this point forward, you guys, we just have articles that are just little tidbits of advice on how people, how we all can uh, sort of reframe our thoughts and uh, take back control when we're losing the battle to mental health. And so uh, go ahead. You got one more and then I've got some for you after that. Um, this one was just on a site called Fast Company. It doesn't have an author or anything. Okay. Maybe it does at the bottom. But yeah. um, how to teach your brain to reframe negative thoughts. Well, that's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so the first is negative thoughts about yourself. Um, yeah. Often you think about traits you have that you don't like about yourself or reasons why you are not capable of achieving some goal. Right. Um, so that's kind of one of the most limited things is you talk yourself out of doing things. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just says to change the internal conversation, you can acknowledge limitations you have, but focus on opportunities for improvement. Yeah, right. So just don't focus on what you can't do. Yeah. Focus on what you what can do. What you can do. do, exactly. Yeah. Um, negative thoughts about a project. Um, sometimes you've got so much going on going into one project that it's too overwhelming, so you just say, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And they just suggest breaking it down mm. into smaller, smaller bite-sized, bite-sized pieces. pieces right. <laughs> so it kind of helps just reframe it from, mm. I can't do this whole thing, to, okay, I can do this little piece, then I can do this little piece, then I can do this little piece. Always focus on what you can do exactly. in digestible bite-sized pieces. And yeah. when you break up big daunting things it makes it easier Mm -hmm. to deal with absolutely absolutely um negative thoughts reflecting anxiety uh when you are anxious you're more likely to have a repeating set of thoughts related to the object of your anxiety the cycle of negative thoughts is called rumination it's concentrating on the bad it is important to break the cycle you might want to consider exercising or taking a walk yes i do that jump yourself out of it i worked out yesterday Mm -hmm. because of all this that's going on 
and I feel fucking terrific. Yeah, absolutely. You so know? The physical activity will often make it hard to concentrate on the pattern of negative thinking. And after that, you need to have an alternative set of thoughts that you can concentrate on. Yeah. So just kinda, it's just reframing things in your head. Right, just absolutely. concentrating on different things. Sure. Um, write down a list of positive things that are going on mm. in your life and mm-hmm. kind of pull that out when and you I've, need to. And I've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Write absolutely. the things in your life you love. Write the things that you want to work on. And, yep. and really, it boils down to logic. You know, the problem with um, most people, not just women, men too, is that we uh, uh, oftentimes, for in an emotional state, lose our logic. Yeah. We lose our Absolutely. logic and reason, and we get caught up and uh, carried away by our feelings. Mm-hmm. And I have an article about that that I want to read when yeah. you're done here Absolutely. about that. But um, that's exactly what happens, is that we lose our logical center to emotions, and it actually uh, sort of curtails our uh, cognitive processes. Yeah. So basically, when you feel yourself spiraling in any type of negative emotion, just kind of stop and step back for a second. Right. Reboot. Hey, that's what we do on the show here. Exactly. You know, like, oh, we're derailing. Stop. Exactly. (laughs) Take a break. Drink some water. (laughs) For sure. And then there's just one more um, Mm -hmm. negative thoughts about actions and habits. So one final set of negative thoughts arises when you have something you do routinely like a habit that you believe you need to stop doing. Yeah. Chances are you focus on the action you no longer want to perform, which kind of makes you keep doing it because you're thinking about that too much. Right. So so this is kind of interesting. A fundamental problem with changing behavior is that the brain is optimized for acting rather than stopping yourself from acting. Right. So you have to focus on what you're going to do instead. So okay. don't say, I want to stop eating too much. Say, I want to start eating more healthy. Oh, so your brain's more yeah. likely to... Do something you say you want to do, it's, and when you say you, we have to stop it, you're well, kind of like kind of like when I quit smoking a million years ago. I was in my thirties, um, but I quit smoking, and instead of saying I'm going to quit smoking, I'm I decided I'm going to start running more, and yeah, that so act of doing something proactive uh, helped me to take my mind off the thing that I quit that I yeah. still want to do. Yeah, the addictive so behavior. Basically, this whole thing is just to stop. Mm. Being so negative about things, you yeah. you change your mindset a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Baby steps. That's all so. it is. I mean, that's what life is. We all get rattled. We all have emotional states. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's really about finding ourselves and finding our logic and our reason uh, in the myriad of emotions that we're feeling. And that's not yeah. always easy to do. No, it's not. So, good. Very good. So, basically, from this point out, I've got three articles. Uh, I am going to try to get through them as painlessly as possible, but there's three articles. Uh, The first one is, How to Tame Your Emotions and Make Better Choices. And then I've got here, uh, To Flourish, Humans Are Motivated by Four Universal Needs. And then lastly... Uh, I, well, I won't give away the uh, whole ending yet, but uh, <laughs> lastly, it's last for a reason, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so, uh, yeah, it says here, um, uh, to flourish, humans are motivated by four universal needs. Uh, key point, psychology research has revealed four universal human needs related to flourishing and living one's best life. Although these needs are not necessarily for survival, they are necessary for job satisfaction. Whether for yourself or those you lead, the set of universal human needs is a useful checklist for evaluating the likelihood of a job satisfaction. 
Now, it always seems these things are always geared towards the job front, I guess. Yeah, but you can always tweak things to be relative to everything. Absolutely. So it just says here, uh, one area of psychological research focuses on people's needs, which lead to motivations. Results indicate that there are unusual needs that transcend cultures and history, motivating humans in general to do what it takes to satisfy them. Primary on the list uh, are survival needs, such as food, water, shelter, and safety. Once these needs are met, however, uh, what we, uh, what it does what does it take for people to flourish feeling the most engaged and living their best life? And so those are tertiary needs, yeah. essentially. Yep. So I'm going to try to truncate this, but it call, talks about the big four universal human needs and, or motivations. Uh, it says, I've taken the liberty of using pairs or, of terms that start each with a letter C with hopes that doing so makes them more memorable. There is no particular order of importance with this list. Okay, so it says the the first we might refer to as contribution or calling. That is, we need to feel as though our life has meaning or purpose. That isn't to say that it has to be a grandiose sense of importance, but rather that what we do means something to others or to the world generally, that what we do is productive or purposeful. The second universal need we might call choice or control. Generally, we prefer more rather than less choice and more control over what we do and how we do it. In fact, humans tend to actively resist encroachment on their autonomy. So I think what they're saying there is, is, um, you know, when they're bossed around and told what to do, they have less likelihood of wanting to do it. Yeah. Imagine that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you mean we're not meant to be ruled? Exactly. No way. You can have guidelines, but feel like you're free to be yourself and do right. what you're doing within that. Yeah, when people tell you how to act, I remember when I worked at McDonald's, they'd be like, don't smile, don't do this, don't do that. I'm like, fuck you, dude. What, I'm not right. allowed to do a human anymore? Yeah, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. So the third universal need could be termed competence or capability. That is, it is important to feel as though we do a pretty good job at what is important to us. And perhaps at least as important is the perception that we are improving or have opportunities to grow more effective. Uh, Last on our list is connection or community. It's not that we need to be liked by everyone. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) But it's important to have a set of people who like and respect us. A group we consider uh, our tribe. Jeez Louise, you'd think I read this like... A right. year ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. So then it just says the big four universal needs or motivations apply to all of us, but there is probably variation in their relative importance to each person. If I asked you to rank uh, the importance of these, you would come to different uh, a different list than mine. Yeah. Is what it's saying. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, how to use the big four yourself. Knowing about the big four allows you to use them as a checklist for evaluating our current job, a possible promotion, or potential new job. It's not a must that our job satisfies all four needs, but given how much time we spend at work, it would be ideal if it did. The greater the extent to which uh, all four needs are connected to your work, the greater you're likely uh, to job satisfaction. To promote retention, job satisfaction, and professional development for those uh, you lead or supervise, consider how the big four needs relate to each person's role. So I'm going to kind of skip down to the gist here and get to the point. 
<clears throat> oh, that's the end of it. Okay, well, imagine that. So it just says, uh, so it just says, um, what if your work doesn't satisfy one or more of these essential motivations? Are there other aspects of your life that do or that could? Uh, are these uh, there ways you might alter your work in light of what aspects of the big four seem lacking? If not, are there possible possibilities for a more rewarding move, either inside or outside your organization? Of course, it is possible to maintain a position that does not offer much in, re- in regard to satisfaction of the big four needs, and your choice to do so may have to do with meeting other people's needs, like a reasonable income. However, to flourish, it's worth asking, at least on occasion, how the big four relate to your current situation with an eye toward proactively making choices to maximize your engagement and life satisfaction by using these four things. And uh, I will go over them again. So, yeah, babe, I mean, basically what it's saying here is that, um, you know, we need a contribution or calling. We need Mm -hmm. a calling to something that we need choice or control. You know, we have to have control over our own situation. We we have to feel like we're uh, loved part of a group, you know, Mm -hmm. that we have some choice over it. We're not slaves. We're not being uh, completely uh, oppressed, Mm -hmm. you know. And that uh, we have some competence or capability that is acknowledged by external factors, by other people. And then lastly, uh, having a connection to a community. Having other people in our lives that build around our Mm -hmm. professional lives so that we feel a sense of accomplishment or belonging. And so, I mean... Like myself with my job, that connection, I have that with people at my job. Which definitely adds to to making it doable absolutely well and the 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 reason why i wanted to read that one in particular um i think i've got a better one than that here coming uh but the reason why i did that one is because um it was so simple it's so simple (laughs) (laughs) um but it's simple in the sense that it's all c words and it's just about uh people having very basic needs to be happy in their life. You want a sense of belonging. You want a sense of uh, a feeling control over your life. You want to feel like you have a sense of community and you feel like you have a skill or a sense of competency in what you do. Yeah. It's real simple when you mm-hmm. put it in those terms. But, um, but um, you know, we don't always get all those things in manual labor jobs now. Our jobs market is built off of a, a sort of a... I don't want to say they're all bad because... We ha- thankfully, sometimes we have good bosses or sometimes we have good training. Mm. Uh, uh, they are starting to get better a lot of places at understanding what people's require and then acting upon that. Um, but there's a lot of institutions out there that don't bother, that don't care. I, I, they take the lazy approach to doing things. And so there's a, you know, a lacking in morale. And uh, the people who tend to do that, instead of... Uh, looking at their own responsibility in creating a better work environment, they what? They gaslight you into thinking that it's you. Yeah. Ha. Huh. <laughs> Imagine that. Yep. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to talk about that because it is yeah. a form of gaslighting. When we don't get the four C's, uh, we uh, don't have as much life satisfaction. Yeah. So here we go on to something else here. And so that article was on Psychology Today, and it's called, uh, To Flourish, Humans Are Motivated by Four Universal Needs. I just wanted to give credit where credit is due. And uh, that was written by 
a fellow named Michael W. Wiederman, Ph.D. So there you go. And then moving on to this article, this is called How to Tame Your Emotions and Make Better Choices. Uh, the key points. Emotions can improve choices, but can interfere with cognition. Remember I was talking about that? Yeah. Uh, make a habit of reviewing how emotions impact your outcomes. Kind of like, you know, when you can't help crying when you're emotional and then it, you're like, I wish I didn't cry because I got real right. shit to yeah. say. My coworker and I were talking about that yesterday. How when we get mad, we cry. Right. And it conveys the opposite of what you're feeling. Yeah, you're angry, you but weird. you're crying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're frustrated and you have adult things to say, but yeah. because you're crying, yeah. you feel like it's going to belay the greater point mm-hmm. of what you're trying to tell them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, Make a habit of reviewing how emotions impact your outcomes. Focus on creating alignment between your rational and emotional processes. To do this, it can be helpful to practice deep breathing, mindful listening, modulation, and improvement. Okay, so we'll get into all that. And it starts here. Uh, Have you you noticed that you rarely think at your best when you get really upset? (laughs) As I watched the Will Smith slapping incident at the Oscars... Uh, the uh, earlier this year, I was reminded of how a simple comment from another individual can trigger wildly different behavior in us. Similarly, when we are experiencing fear, whether physical or psychological, we tend to be less focused on long-term outcomes. Although this is natural, many people live in this chronic stress-induced, narrow-lens type of decision-making. It makes complete sense if you're escaping a traumatic or dangerous situation, but it's important not to make it a habit. Repeatedly making these types of choice patterns creates chronic decision fatigue, as well as other issues. The other day, I was trying to communicate to work uh, to give a presentation at a conference. I factored in normal traffic and wasn't even running late. But during my... uh, Short two-trip mile, I hit every detour, construction, accidents, and delays. Uh, Two miles took 45 minutes of driving. Worse yet, uh, I thought I could outsmart my Maps app and kept looking for shortcuts, all of which ended up with detours or construction. No matter what choice I made, I just kept getting worse, and I allowed all that to stress or and alter my mood. Uh, He goes on, Most of us would agree that anger and fear destroy our decision-making, but... But we are a little less sure of how other emotions, including joy, sadness, and indifference, might impact our decision process and quality. And so then it goes on to our rationality. One major theoretical model of how the human brain works posits that we rationally assess what we intend to achieve and work on the best path to get there. Of course, we all know this is not a reality at all. Emotions affect our brain's internal circuitry and disrupt patterns and rational thought. While disruption can be good, like disrupting negative habits, it can also be quite destructive. Unless we stop to think about it, we are often unaware of how important our mood and emotions are in our daily choices, especially those that involve our precious resources, such as time or money. But if you think back on some of the big decisions you've made throughout the years, a specific emotion will usually be attached, whether sadness, joy, rage, jealousy, anxiety. Some emotion probably helped you quit that job. Some emotion probably was involved when you were negotiating for that expensive car or decided to open up your own business. So, yeah. 
So basically, I'm going to truncate this. It talks about emotional alignment. Our emotional, our emotions range from really positive to really negative. Sometimes our emotions, moods, feelings, disposition can help us immediately. They help us uh, be excited and leap at a new job, opportunity, or partner. Other times, they can destroy us. Falling for scams, paying too much, buying a warranty we didn't need, or just not understanding what we're committed to. Uh, as with everything, the key is balance. Healthy individuals seek balance, alignment, or congruity between our emotions and our analytical patterns. Use your emotions to your advantage and activate your analytical mind to confirm things. This can be difficult. Emotion identification and self-awareness. Start by identifying how you feel about something. Ask yourself, why am I feeling like this? What makes me feel like this? Make a regular practice of reviewing or assessing how emotions impact your outcomes every day. Review your choices each night and consider making appropriate changes for tomorrow if a similar situation arises. Journals can be easily helpful for creating long-term memories and help us learn. If you can create self-awareness, you're in a much better place to know when not to make a decision. If you find yourself extremely emotional, try to practice decision abstinence. Abstain from making important life choices when you're feeling emotional. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And then it goes into modulation and improvement. Once you identify how and why you are feeling a certain way and the impacts you observe, work on improving your physiological responses to the emotions and practice deep breathing to get more oxygen flowing into the brain anytime you notice strong positive or negative emotions. Practice mindful observation and listen to your thoughts. This can help us tune in to our thoughts and feelings. Work on self-modulation and regulating your emotions and aim to gain insight from observing yourself regularly. When you do this, you keep yourself in a conscious, continuous improvement mode. Remember, you're in control. Taming your emotions can help you improve your decisions. Hoo-wee! I feel like I just gave birth. <laughs> Look at me having to read articles. No, but um, but uh, I wanted to go into those because um, uh, it's easy. It all sounds like logical reason at the end of the day. You know, you, you can't teach logic to the illogical. You can't teach reason to the irrational. And so I think what this is trying to do is get you to be aware of your emotions and your emotional state. Um, I have a friend, uh, the chiropractor, great guy. We're, you know, re- we're really getting to a place of understanding where we weren't before because we're growing and we're allowing each other to be different. We're just different. and uh, But that's not better or worse. It's just different. Um, but he's the kind of guy where, you know, when he gets overly tired, he, um, oh, kitty. Hold on, you guys. Okay, crisis averted. Kitty's outside. <laughs> you know it wouldn't be surviving empathy without a kitty. You know the drill. <laughs> yeah, you know the drill. Um, but uh, my friend here, the chiropractor, he, you know, he he was the kind of person where, um, you know, he he gets all ramped up on positive energy, positive ju- juju, positive thoughts, and then he just hits a brick wall. When he hits that brick wall. It's, it's a ticking time bomb until he's going to be negative. You don't know how or when or why. You just know that ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. 
and then crash, right? And so I've learned that you have to be succinct with him. If you go further than 10 minutes of energetic positivity, it's only a matter of time that the saloon door is going to go the other way, and he's going to either get impatient, tired, unfocused, or downright irritable. And um, and that's his emotional state. He can't sustain positive joy and excitement for longer than five, ten minutes. And then once he's blown his load, if you will, uh, that's it. It's it's slowly going to go downhill from there because I think he's he's getting a dopamine rush, mm-hmm. and then when the rush is over, it's like ah, land your plane, and then he gets impatient with people when uh, it over when it overstays its welcome, right? Uh, and I think that's pretty common with a lot of people. I'm just using him as an example, not better or worse. Um, but I have learned uh, to to be rational. Like at work, for example, I, you know, when I was reading that article, I used to always get scared of my bosses because they have this power to fire you. And I realized that once you accepted that every day could be your last day at that job, that's the way I took it. Whether, especially yeah. cooking, God, it was so fly by night. It was so chaotic, so much drama that I just decided every day was going to be a new adventure and uh, I wasn't going to be scared or intimidated anymore. And I exercised that when I was at Lowe's. I mean, I downright told my boss off. And he's like, what? What? You talk to me that way? I'm like, yeah, why? I'm older than you. I have more experience than you. Why can't I talk to you that way? He's like, jeez, Brian. I'm like, well, what the fuck do you want me to say? You're a fucking 30-something-year-old. I'm a 48-year-old. What do you want me to say? You know, so at the end of the day, I mean, what it boils down to is, uh, you know, our emotions... Uh, can cloud our judgment or they can um it's like when you make plans to go do something with people when you're in a good mood and then you're no longer in that good mood you're like oh man it's not anything against that person it's just that you're now you're no longer having that dopamine rush you're not having that burst of happy juices and so um i've had to learn to moderate to modify um that there's going to be periods it's like running i think i learned this from running and the military is that people, we, we you know, it, it's like sex. I mean, I hate to say that. It's not to be nasty, but sex or a song. There's a, there's a you know, you, you, you get the friction going. You build, build, build. There's a crescendo, and then there's an end. And then once the crescendo's happened, it's, we're done. Quit touching it. It's going to hurt. It's, it's no longer, you know, and I think that's true of jobs. It's true of human nature that... We have a build-up process to happiness, and then we have a crescendo. And then after that crescendo, um, we don't think as clearly, or we're done feeling happy, and then it can slowly turn. It's like, have you ever been in a meeting that went overly long, and you're getting really fucking irritated by the end because it's two hours in, you're like, fucking serious? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. And so all I'm trying to say is, is that human behavior, we have to understand that ebb and flow of our chemicals, that ebb and flow of serotonin and dopamine, all those chemicals. Yeah, and you have to realize when you're in the height of any kind of emotion, make sure that's not what's ruling your decision-making. Right. You just kind of have to step back and be like, okay, is this what I will want when I'm down a little bit? Or is this what I'll want when I'm up a little bit? Right, and And so never make a decision when you're overly happy. Never make a decision if you're overly upset. Um, and for me, like I said, I had a nervosa issue. I had anxiety. 
And I was always very anxious to please at jobs until I got older and realized that there was nothing to get excited about. And once I did that, I started not only making better decisions at the job front, but I didn't look like a horse's ass because I was always nervous around people. You know, um, you just get to a point where you, you know thyself and you know your own emotions and you have better control over them. And so that's really why I wanted to do this whole episode is because, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm feeling it's kind of like the old tool song. I'm bored again. You know, he's talking about life boredom, spiritual boredom. You just get so fucking tired of the same old, same old. And how can you, you know, we've talked about that before. How can you recycle the old and continually perpetuate new things, growth, opportunity, etc.? Um, but even when things are going your way, sometimes we get um, these snags. And that's what happened to me. As I, I just hit full-on emotional burnout. And it wasn't from anything negative. It was just from overworking and not taking enough time off for myself and then not having enough fun in my time off. I didn't have enough life balance. And so um, we went on vacation, and I feel like I got some of that back. Mm -hmm. We've been to two concerts this year, Tool and Alice in Chains and the others. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like I've got myself back. Uh, I'm no longer so connected to my anxieties. I'm not, uh, this house doesn't remind me anymore of the bills I have to pay or the problems in life or the problems in politics or the problems in this world. Um, but we do live in a punitive society. We do live in an old-timey, old-fashioned society. That's what capitalism is. And I think a lot of people would just have more job-life balance if um, jobs just treated them with a little bit more courtesy. To be human, yeah, and to ex- like when jobs go out of their way to provide a life balance and that job satisfaction, uh, you could stay that at that place forever because they're they're always concerned about your emotional growth, your emotional happiness, and um, mm-hmm. and that's important because when you have no morale, it's only a matter of time until you just go, oh, fuck this. You would be willing to, like, that's that was when I was working at the Army base, the Army post. When I was working at Fort Hunter Liggett, I was like, I know I'm making fucking $22 an hour, but I hate these people. It is so negative. They are so full of drama. And they're always talking smack about each other. And I realized, money ain't everything, man. And that's when I decided to go be an EMT. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean... Uh, what I'm learning is that, uh, you know, I was an atheist, you know, I was a Christian for a really long time and I was an atheist for a really long time. And then I realized neither was working. I was atheist and yeah, I felt more scientifically grounded. I felt more in control of my emotions. I felt less, um, scared of hell and less scared of Judeo Christian guilt trips and all that. Um, but I didn't have any spirituality. There was no emotional uh, satisfaction because I convinced myself there, there, that there was no God, there is no heaven, and therefore there is no afterlife. Um, and so when you get to the point where you need spirituality, I was like, well, how do you become spiritual when you're an atheist? I don't know. And so I've been on this journey trying to find 
emotional and spiritual contentment, despite the fact that I don't necessarily believe in a doctrinal religion, right? And that's no disrespect to each their own. Everybody finds their own way, but I did find that uh, I wasn't getting life happiness because uh, of the lacking of spirituality in my life. And that brings me to my (laughs) last article. Yes. Okay, hold on. Okay, so this article is uh, from... um, Let's see. It is from SciTech Daily. It's called Harvard researchers have linked spirituality to healthier lives and longer lifespans. And like I said, this is more of a kind of a clinical setting like hospitals, but it says spirituality is associated with improved health outcomes and patient care. According to a study conducted by experts from Harvard School of Public Health and Brigham and Women's Hospital, spirituality should be incorporated into care for both severe disease and general health. This study represents the most rigorous and comprehensive uh, systematic analysis of the modern-day literature regarding health and spirituality to date, said Tracy Balboni, lead author and senior physician at the Dana-Farber Brigham and Women's Cancer Center and professor, uh, professor of radiation oncology at Harvard Medical School. Our findings indicate that attention to spirituality in serious illness and in health should be a vital part of future of, a, of future whole person-centered care, and the results should stimulate more national discussion uh, and progress on how spirituality can be incorporated into this type of value-sensitive care. Spirituality is important to many patients as they think about their health, said Tyler Vanderweel. The John L. Loeb and Francis, too many big words. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Focusing on spirituality in healthcare means caring for the whole person, not just their disease. Spirituality is defined as, quote, the way individuals seek ultimate meaning, purpose, connection, value, or transcendence according to the International Consensus Conference on Spiritual Care in Healthcare. This might involve organized religion, but it also includes means of discovering ultimate meaning through connections with family, community, or nature. You know, that's the thing. Like, I, tr- I call yeah. myself a spiritual atheist. And the reason yeah. is, is because spiritual spirituality isn't just about a savior or a deity. Religion or, no, right, it's, it's about so much more, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. And then so it says here, um, they evaluated and assessed the highest quality data on spirituality and severe illness and health published between 2000 and 2022. In their analysis, 371 of 8,946 publications dealing with serious illness fulfilled the study's tight inclusion requirements, as did 215 of 6,485 articles regarding health outcomes. Uh a panel, a Delphi panel, organized interdisciplinary groups of experts then assessed the strongest collective evidence and produced consensus implications for health and healthcare. They noted that uh, for healthy people like you and I and most of you guys, <clears throat> spiritual community participation as exe- exemplified by religious service attendance is associated with healthier lives, including greater longevity, less depression and suicide, and less substance abuse. For many patients, spirituality is important and influences key outcomes in illness, such as quality of life and medical care decisions. Consensus implications included incorporating uh, considerations of spirituality as part of patient-centered care 
and increased awareness among clinicians and health professionals about the pro-protective benefits of spiritual community participation. Uh, and then it just says here, uh, the 27 member panel was composed of all these experts, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's see, going down to the point. According to the research, the simple act of asking about a patient's spirituality can and should be part of the patient centered value sensitive care. Uh, anyways, the point is, says overlooking spirituality leaves patients feeling disconnected from the healthcare system and the clinicians trying to care for them. Integrating spirituality into care can help each person have a better chance of reaching complete well-being and their highest attainable standard of health. And uh, that's basically the whole article. Um, a lot of him and hawing there. Sorry about that. Well, I decided to end with that article because um, at the end of the day, like I said, I went through... Uh, many years as a Christian, very content, until I started realizing that it seemed like no matter how good I was with, uh, as a person, wasn't benefiting my day-to-day life. I was still getting mistreated. I was still getting mishandled. I was still having bad people do things to me. And that's what I mean, you guys, is that um, whether you're religious or not, the, the, we can free will is free will, and people can act any way they want. You know, you see all these Christians, they, they run off to the tribal lands to, to save and salvage all these tribal peoples, and then they get murdered, and they go, well, why didn't Jesus protect me? Because he doesn't work that way. I mean, you know, um, and I don't mean to make fun. Um, my point simply is, the reason why I wanted to end this show about spirituality is because I went through it myself. I was a religious Christian for a very long time. Got a lot of um, good stuff out of sermons. I used to listen to even, uh, you know, Joel Osteen sermons, you know. Yeah. Um, where it all started falling apart for me is irrelevant, but I started questioning uh, the, the accuracy of, of the Bible and the accuracy of who our Lord and Savior was. Uh, no disrespect of him, just that I wanted to know what the truth is. Some people would rather live just never bothering to ask the questions and just living with the eternal comfort of religion and, and Jesus. And because my life wasn't going the way I expected my Christian life to go, I was like, well, maybe I should start asking the questions. And so that's what I did is I started really peering into the man behind the curtain. What is really going on here? Is there an afterlife? Is Christianity real? Is it really serving a real and actual God or is it something else? And, and I, you know, I eventually came to the conclusion that I don't believe in the biblical God, but I do believe the spirituality to this day serves as a very important aspect of my life um, as an empath and as a human being and uh, to my connection to something greater in the universe than myself. And um, while I don't think you can change the laws of physics and I don't think you can pray away the gay or pray away your cancer, um, I, I, I do not uh, uh, try to, uh, you know, I understand why people need religion and spirituality. And so I would rather just take the spiritual approach myself. That's what's right for me. Others might take the religious approach, that's fine for them, uh, and live and let live, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, I ended on this because when you're going through depression, when you're worrying as you get older about health, um, you've got to be cl- connected to something deep, 
meaningful, and whatever you call that spirituality, whatever you're connected to that's at a deeper, real, universal, cosmic level, uh, it's deep, it's powerful, and it's important to us, whether we believe in God or not. And so I just I wanted you guys to understand that religious or not uh, is fine by me, whatever you guys, what works for you is fine. Um, but I just think that sometimes we have to put all of this life into perspective. Um, at the end of the day, we, you know, there's a shelf life on being human, and it's scary, and it can cause a lot of worry. But I always look at the lifespan. I'm nowhere near death. I'm in great health. Why do I allow myself to, you know, have all these permeating thoughts of doom? Why, why, why? And so then I started to understand and unravel my anxiety, those irrational fears of mortality, those irrational fears of not being able to control those things that um, we can't control, frankly. Yeah, it's, it's, you know? it's such weird stuff to think about yeah. and let go of. And Well, and that's why I wanted to end the show kind of on that note, because uh, only you can solve your own problems. Only you can rationalize your own life and rationalize your own sense of worth. Only you have control over your bodily autonomy, and therefore you must take what? I've said it before. Take agency over your life. I was trying to think of the word that was right there, but I can't <laughs> right, think of it. Right, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, do I feel bad when I um, sow discord between people that I didn't mean to? Sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, it takes two to tango. And they tangoed a whole lot more than I did. And so I had to relinquish it to the universe. If you can't change people, if you can't change hearts and minds, then you have to let go. And when you let go, you do what? You give it to the universe, and hopefully the universe handles it, whether through God or whether it's just karma or whether it's just plain old, uh, you know, Bad people end up doing bad things and getting bad lives because of it. Uh, just letting life ha- rear its ugly head on p- bad people that aren't good, aren't toxic people tend to rear toxic things and they they reap what they sow. You know. Yeah, definitely. Over time. Yeah. So call it karma. Call it. Call it karma. <laughs> call it fate. Call it. Whatever. I always miss the third one. Is call it instinct. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, but. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing about all of this, you guys, is that uh, at the end of the day, we don't have all the answers because the answers are different for every individual. But I would say get yourself fit, run, exercise, do something. If you have a full-time job that keeps you active, great. Um, That's not about looking your best. It's about feeling your best. And if you happen to look better, too, great, you know. Mm -hmm. And if that happens to help you in your social circumstances, terrific. But at the end of the day, I mean, this whole episode is about spiritual malaise and dealing with gaslighters and dealing with narcissists and dealing with toxic people. And how do you find hope when the world is proving to you every day that you shouldn't have any hope? (laughs) Right? Yes. But there is hope. But there is, yes. There is hope. So... What do you got to say about all that, hon? <laughs> Such a tiny little topic. <laughs> I, always, I 
always overwhelm her with like these giant questions. <laughs> what's no, the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life, babe? And what, <laughs> what do you think about God? <laughs> go. Go. <laughs> no, but I just mean, uh, what are your final thoughts about all this? I mean, we are good people. We try to be good people, but we're human. We're imperfect. We're all imperfect. And it just seems yeah. like some people can't w- let well enough alone. And so yeah. we have to get spiritual. We have to get connected to something deeper. And we have to dig, dig, dig into something more meaningful uh, to come out the other end so that we uh, are doing not only a service to ourselves, but as podcasters, I want to do a service for people as well. I don't want to get all caught up in the he said, she said. If I started believing every bad thing people said about me, I, th- I don't think I would have ever rose to the challenge of becoming um, a soldier or a chef or a broadcaster. You know, you, yeah. you have to believe in yourself, even if you don't. Fake it till you make it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Just try to be yourself and yes. work on yourself and realize who you are and what you are. And if people try to tear you down, fuck them. Yes, fuck Other em. people don't matter. And, and, and you... You being rude to rude people is not proof of you being a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. I've proven that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I I try to be elevated and vibrate a higher frequency, but I'm imperfect. I get mad when people call me names and call me all these terrible things. How would you not get emotionally manipulated by people doing that to you? But, um, you know, you, you tell those people off, you block them, and you think it's done with. And then... And then it's not done with because they go to the the peanut gallery to get all their hatreds out. And these are people that don't know us. And that's the ridiculous part of it is that, you know, you're going to run into people, you guys, that are toxic, uh, sometimes narcissists, sometimes shallow, sometimes immature, sometimes hurtful or hateful. Um, and they all have their myriad of reasons. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to is once you can't control the situation, just give it to the universe and move on and find better people. Because um, that's what I told that that gal on my Facebook. She said, thank you for posting about keep tending to your own business and affairs. Don't worry about what everybody else is thinking or saying or doing. Worry about yourself. And that's the thing that we really have to do all the time is uh, understand a greater sense of importance in your own priorities. Don't live your life for others. Don't live your life based on what others tell you you are. Live it based on what you know you are. I mean, mm-hmm. if I had listened to the radio station telling me that, no, 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 you're good enough to be a, a tech wizard in the behind the scenes, but you could never just step up and be on radio. Why? I have... I have a higher IQ than you, motherfucker. What? I'm going to sit here and listen to some homeboy that is trying to hate on me because he's got a college degree? I have a college degree, too. It's called culinary arts. Yeah. Yeah. Just <clears throat> you, you know who you are. And if right. you don't, work on yourself. Figure it out. Figure out who you, you are mistakes. and who you want to be. And you're going to make mistakes. And right. Own up to it. Own up to them. But you it. don't have to live forever in purgatory because yeah. of some small mistake. Exactly. I mean, if you killed someone, yeah, okay, you might take a while. But, I mean, if they're tiny little mistakes, forgive yourself and move on. Yeah. And if you feel the need to apologize to a person, then apologize to them. But if you know that you're not, you're in the right, then fuck those people. They're, those people... Your life does not live or die based on the opinions of the peanut gallery. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
So, yeah, we're back, hon. We're back in the saddle again. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, thank you guys for another episode. Um, We're going to be back next week. Uh, This is a two-parter, so that's this week, and then we'll be back. We've got so many episodes, you guys, about cryptids, about mental health, about uh, UFOs and aliens. We've been digging deep, y'all. And uh, we are going to go on YouTube soon. We are going to be on YouTube doing our doing our thing. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, paranormal reviews. And that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the reason why things are taking so long, you guys, is because, frankly, uh, the growth isn't there yet. We have to keep going, keep churning out shows, keep uh, just getting better. And that's what we're trying to do is get better in every regard. Uh, think higher thoughts, get better. And we're going to continue growing for you guys. So if you want to join us, come on over to our social media. I'm at Instagram at Chef Bright Comedy or Surviving Empathy Podcast on uh, it's Chef Bright Comedy on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Surviving Empathy Podcast on Instagram. And where are you, my dear? I am Spooky Nerdy Gal on Instagram and Twitter, although I don't really do Twitter very much. But yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah, we're here. And we're here for you guys. And we're just human. We're not saints, but we are trying to be good people energy is intention and our energy is to do good things and to help good people we raised uh 155 dollars for my friend idris thank you idris uh that's for her sick kitty cat that is a friend of the show and then i just want to thank my patreons all three of you <laughs> i want to thank you guys so very much for believing in us we believe in you as well and we will continue to put this show on and do good meaningful work so long as we have a breath in our lungs so thank you guys for that got anything else to say baby uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so very much you guys and thank you babe for a wonderful show and uh yeah we'll see you next week have a good one bye bye bye